You are listening to the Icehouse Podcast, hosting conversations with gritty Kiwi business owners and leaders and industry-leading minds. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Icehouse Podcast. I am Briar Stewart, the Community Manager for the Icehouse, and in the very, very sunny Nelson today, chatting with Pick Pico, who is the founder of Pick's Peanut Butter, my favourite peanut butter, many people in New Zealand's favourite peanut butter. It's an iconic brand. Uh, started the business from your garage pick to local markets to now an international brand um, with a few huge factory that we're in today. Very much looking forward to the conversation today, Pick. So thanks heaps for being on the podcast. Oh, oh thanks, Brian. And it's lovely to have you here in Nelson, I might say. First time in Nelson and very impressed. Oh, unbelievable. I know. Yeah. Here you are, a grown-up and everything. And first time in Nelson. <laughs> I need to do better. Um, hey, I love to start the podcast with... A, an open question. You can take it as you want. Who is Pick? Who's Pick? Well, I'm uh, I'm a grandfather of two. So my uh, my granddaughter uh, Alice lives in New York. She's six, and uh, my new grandson Ira is in in Nelson. Here, he's about he's four months old now. Sweet. Um, and I have five children. So two fruit of my loins and three uh, stepchildren. Mm-hmm. The oldest of whom is Amy. Um, she's now running. She's now CEO here at Pix, yes. and uh, and the youngest is Claude, my 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 wife's uh, little boy, and he's ten. So, and then between them, I have Lauren, who's um, my son's sister. Very cool. Yeah, keep life's fun, eh? Yeah, it's great fun. And I have this ridiculous peanut butter business. <laughs> it's this crazy thing here. I have a place out at Maraho. I have a piece of land out there that I'm. Planting trees on. I'm spending a lot of my, a lot more of my time out there planting trees now, and um, yes, and I'm I'm a very very proud Nelsonian. You know, I find this a wonderful community to be living in, and so it's very much a part of me now, and I'm a part of it. Mm, that's mm. very cool. Mm. I love to hear it. So you, we know you're well known for Pix Peanut Butter. Um, mm. You have had many other businesses, though, across leather, goods, furniture, giftware, sailing, and more. Yeah. What motivates you as an entrepreneur? Um, I I like well, I, yes, I, I like um, I like to be challenged. You know, I like to um, like to you know exceed what I think I can do. You know? mm. And this is one of the neat because I'm actually I'm legally blind too, mm. and yep. that's been my eyesight's been deteriorating. Uh, but I still find, you know, I, I find the challenges that that throws up are immense. You know, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. So there's, there's, uh, you, you can't get too. I can never get too smug about any of the stuff I do. And I, I mean, I used to make fine furniture. Now I've got all these tools, and I, I do very agricultural mm-hmm. building, and it's rough as guts. But I'm very proud of it because I can do it, and yeah. I'm, you know, I can figure out ways around things. So I think, you know, that the, those challenges and a bit of, you know, um, just. Just um, sort of dumb, dumb confidence. I think that, that I, I could give something a crack and and have a good chance of it working out. Mm. I want to talk a little bit about about the eyesight, if that's okay, and the, mm. and how it's deteriorated mm. over time. And you've said in interviews before that it has sort of led you to having to delegate mm. and having to trust in your people. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I have macular degeneration, which mm. is particularly common in older people. And it's one of the leading causes of blindness, but people don't usually get signs of it until they're at least sort of seventy. Uh, and in my case, I got it as a genetic thing. My mother's fairly blind, and uh, and I detected in my twenties. Wow! And I stopped driving. You know, I think when I was about sixty, wow. maybe a bit before that, of my own choice, I might say. I was left with a driver's license, had another seven years to run, but you know, could have. I could have killed a lot of people in that time. Yeah. Um, so I chose to stop driving, and I probably read my last book about fifteen years ago. Wow. Um, but sorry, what was the question about the oh the eyesight? Yes, the, the delegation thing. So this was one of the things I discovered when I went, went to the ice house was that really um, I I you know my business I I had a unique um, advantage over a lot of the other guys who were. St- Trying to do everything, and and I, and I had already you know begin begun delegating you know frantically, because of my eyesight, you know, and I realised there was just a lot of things I couldn't do, and I discovered I discovered too that there were people, who really liked doing the stuff I hated, you know, mm. you know, I, I say, like the people who, um, 
like our Lee here who, who is our, runs the office and, and you know, GST time comes along and, and you can see Lee's getting really excited <laughs> as the day approaches. And I used to just dread every minute of approaching time to fill in the GST things. And so, um, but that was, that was instrumental, I think, and I was very fortunate in that, it's that I was actually, I know, um, because of the condition, I was actually forced to delegate. So mm. I really didn't have a lot of choice for a lot of the things that um, that I had been doing in the past. But mm. um, honestly, and I also think that, uh, you know, having a bit of a disability and people feel, you know, they, they want to look after me a bit, you know, our staff sort of feel they want to look after me. So I, I and, and because I do have to put a lot of trust in people. I think people rise to that. I think, yeah. I think the more you trust people, the more trustworthy they become. Mm, great. And I think that's uh, that's been one of the, the neat things that my um, my vision issues have, have, um, have taught me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's cool to hear that, you know, you've problem-solved your, your way around the challenge, right? And even mm. just then I saw you in the cafe downstairs here at Pix Peanut Butter World and you're listening to a book. So, mm. yeah, you haven't read a book yeah. since, uh, you yeah. know, 60 yeah, or whatever yeah. age, but you're still, you know, taking in the content and working ways around it. Um, one question that or, or something that comes up a lot with business owners is how do I find good people? Mm. And I've noticed that you've got good people around you, Pick. How do you think you've you've found these great people over the years? Um, I think I have um, left the I left a lot of the decisions up to others. Mm. You know, I don't think I'm. You know, I I I I I will I would just hire people I really liked. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and I would end up with a bunch of people that um, you know were sort of just like me. But um, say our, our our immediate past CEO Stuart McIntosh, who's been with us for ten or twelve years, mm. and initially came on as as a uh, on as an an advisor. Um, and Stuart's a very different guy to me, you know, and I would never have thought of him as a friend of of you know sort of thinking oh he's a lovely guy I'd love to hang out with him mm. work with him mm. uh, but he, and but he has you know we are we're incredibly complimentary like he's very focused he's he's very um he he he's he's very yeah it, it, I'm I'm scattered you know I'm all over the place and Stuart's very clear with people mm. you know he, he he's he knows the questions to ask and and he knows the answers that he's he's looking for, and he'll keep people up to the mark. I just want to be everybody's friend, and, mm. <laughs> and I have an awful habit of of, of um, you know if somebody does a shit job, I'll just sort of look as disappointed as I possibly can, <laughs> hope they'll get the idea that they didn't do very well, you know. Yep. And <laughs> so, and uh, but uh, but uh, and it has been really great to to recognise that. Mm. Um, but and I think. I think most people, if they're in, if they're given a good environment to work in, if they're given, if they're given support and they're given, you know, good people around them, that, that they, they, everybody, everybody, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, I think, mm. and so we can do a lot for the people around us by giving them support and, and the like. Absolutely, mm. and you know, pick really. Pick Peanut Butter really stands out as a business that's doing good. You know, doing good for the economy, for the community. Um, you guys acknowledged climate change. You've you've launched the food factory, which we had um, the Nelson Ice House event last night, where we had a great tour of the food factory, seeing um, sort of local budding food businesses come to life there. Uh, fantastic product as well that, as you say, has no weird stuff in it. You know, you've, you're very much basing things off the sense of purpose as well as making profit. How do you balance that as a business owner, profit and purpose? Um, well, I, you know, all the, the, the stuff we, that we do in the community, you know, I mean, and, and I think, you know, I, we don't, we don't, we don't do charity per se for the sake of it. Oh, we're giving back, oh, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I hate the owner. Oh, well, we're giving back, blah, blah, blah. But, but actually, you know, I want to live in a good community. I want to, and I want yeah. to live in a happy community, in a safe community where we, we, you know, we all, people, you know, and, and I think you can, you, you can, you contribute to that and it's sheer self-interest because it's you know it's what makes a good place you need a good community to to have a good life mm. and so anything that we can do to make community better makes a better life for ourselves and there's so much more um as a business that we're able to do um 
along the philanthropy, you know, way and, uh, you know, if, if as an individual I start sort of dishing out money and saying this is the VD Pico money, how's your father, whatever. <laughs> but if I say picks, you know, we get the benefit back because then our customers say, hey, that's picks doing that. Oh, I'll buy their peanut butter because they're doing good stuff, you know. Yeah. Whereas if it's, uh, you know, I'm just saying it's picks really giving this money away, they oh, well, I must buy him a drink one day. <laughs> it's, you know, or not. But um, but honestly, there's huge benefits from being uh, being having a business and using a, that as a basis for mm. philanthropic sort of work. Yeah, for sure. Could you tell us a little bit about the food factory? What the purpose is behind it? So the food factory is uh, four commercial kitchens, about fifty square meters each. They're fully um, uh, compliant as food safe premises. Uh, the the building that there's a, they're in a um, oh, about a Mm, 300 square meter um, tilt slab building just around the corner from here Um, and they've got all the facilities there to you know to make food so they've got a you know decent power supply they've got gas they've got ventilation they've got you know washable floors and ceilings and Mm. rodent programs in place and all that sort of thing that the um, that the uh, supermarkets and any any um, uh, food safety programs like to see, yeah. um, and but the but the thing that really appealed to me about the food factory was to actually get people working in sharing a space, people with a sim- with similar goals, working alongside, not for each other and not with each other, but working alongside and and sharing, you know, the ups and downs and the um, and and the um, and ideas and watching, you know, being able to, you know, I mean, I, 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 I spent time in, in um, oh, when I was about 30, uh, I spent seven years in a big building in, in Parnell, just up from the Ice House actually mm-hmm. in, uh, in St George's Bay Road, um, called Parnell Workshops. And we had up to 20, I never, I never actually counted how many businesses there were because there were people and some people worked mm. together and some people had, a, had, a, had one or two employees. But we had a whole lot of different businesses in the same area, and we were all doing stuff, you mm. know, and a range of things. A lot of woodwork people, so we had sort of a bit of shared gear and stuff, and we'd sort of do stuff. But we all had smoko together, so we had you know morning tea. Everybody had to knock off and go and have a cup of tea at ten o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Twelve o'clock lunch, and, and someone would go down and get pies from up the road, and then beers on Friday night. And that whole that whole um, real sharing of that load you know if you're mm. if you're running a business and you're trying to do it by yourself and you've got nobody to bounce things off because none of your friends understand what yeah. it's about um and so this was my dream for when i came down to nelson i always wanted to get a similar sort of environment happening here and because i happened to be um because i got involved with food as i have done as it seems um i thought well we should have uh, a food-based um, cooperative working space. Mm-hmm. So that's what the food factory is. Yeah, we, um, uh, we, it's a pur- it was a purpose-built building. It was already hard, was started when the when I took the lease, and I've 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 guaranteed the lease, but we've established a trust to run it, um, and we received funding from the provincial growth fund. gave us uh, three quarters of a million dollars to mm-hmm. fit the building out with the to, with the um, you know poly panel and. And air air cleaning and and um, all the you know equipment that mm. we needed to make it food safe, and uh, so we've got the four kitchens there. We've got a demonstration kitchen out the front. We can get thirty people in there for demonstrations mm. or meetings. Brilliant. Um, and then we've got an office smoker room outside, um, and we have a, a part time manager. So Olivia's in there two days a week, making sure everything runs and you know the, the, the bins get emptied and you mm, know the people pay brilliant. their rent. And uh, so that's what we've got. And we've got three businesses in there that are renting, you know, on a, on a sort of three month terms. Um, and uh, and it's 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 doing, you know, it's doing what we hoped it would be doing. Mm. Uh, it's not easy, you know. It's uh, finding the funding for for operational expen- expenses is not easy to get, and so. Yeah. But anyway, anyone out there who would like to help support the food factory, we'd love to hear for registered charity, not for profit, all that stuff, yes. tax deductions or something. I suppose I'm not. A, <laughs> something we can give you a receipt. Anyway. That's cool to hear. Yeah. And um, 
yeah, to get the learning, to get the opportunity to to give test products, give things a go, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's the deal, you know, because it, it, you can be you, it can be a, re- a really difficult point when you thinking, mm. okay, I ma- I made this yummy thing mm. and I could wouldn't mind giving up my day job, but I mean, there's the whole as as well as the issue for people of starting a business and realizing, you know, the, and, and finding out how to start a business, what to do, and all that yeah. sort of thing, and where to yeah. get them. Uh, and then on top of that, to have the food safety issues and, and, and start understanding what's required as far as um, the regulations. So we've got we've got a good handle on that up there, and yeah. uh, and it does get the, give people the opportunity of just hiring a room for an afternoon, you know, even to mm-hmm. make something that is food safe, and then uh, just say take it out there and see if there's a market. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Yeah, the, the the subject of failure, you know, fear of failure, it's a huge mm. loss for New Zealand business owners. How did you personally move past that idea of fear of failure? Uh, uh, or did or were you born different? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. When I was at school, I, I, yeah, well, I started I, when I was at school. I I, um, I I wanted a pair of handmade sandals. That was a cool thing because it was sort of surfy, <laughs> or make, nice. make believe surfy guys, you know. I mean, <laughs> but every good surfy had a pair of you know tire sole sandals, handmade sandals. Yeah. And uh, and we went on a on a family holiday to us to Australia when I was about sixteen, I think. And uh, and there was a guy making sandals in the back of a shopping mall, and he and I ordered a pair, and I watched him how they do it, and I figured I could do that. <laughs> and um, so I bought a bit of leather when I got back to New Zealand and started making some sandals for my friends. Um, and so that was, and so I, you know, learned about buying stock, mm. making something and then getting some money and buying some more leather and making another pair, that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, and, and then I, <clears throat> um, but that, the, the fear of failure, I suppose it was just a matter of doing it. And I think, I think, you know, it, it's, I, particularly with this peanut butter thing. Mm. One of the really, really cool things about it is that has it has been immensely scalable. Yes. So I was able to roast a few peanuts in in the oven at home, grind them up on the kitchen table, you know, initially in the blender, and then I got a proper peanut grinder <laughs> from sort of thing they had used to having been in and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I just made enough to sell at the Friday market, and and I made about fifty jars. Actually, I started it because I was um, I had uh, I had I'd sort of retired, you know, with my blindness and everything. I had a sailing school, and I had to give up that up. And um, and I was left with a little laundromat where where yachties wash their clothes. And then I had to get, and I was pulling a couple of hundred dollars a week, so I'd go down and fill my pockets with money for the weekend. <laughs> and um, and then I had to give that the the laundromat, and I've been making a bit of peanut butter. And I thought, well, I could. Probably quite easily sell two hundred dollars worth of peanut butter at the market, mm. um, and so so I actually and I so I I, I figured okay to make two hundred dollars worth of peanut butter I was going to need to make fifty jars or something and and to make fifty jars in the morning I'd need this much you know something that would roast twenty kilos of peanuts at a time instead of poking through the oven sort of a mm-hmm. half a kilo at a time so. Um, so I actually, I actually made a business plan. I sat down with the business plan, and I figured that you know I'd spend ten thousand dollars and buy a something like I roast the peanuts in, roast twenty kilos at a time, which turned out to be a, a stainless steel concrete mixer with a uh, with a with a gas burner underneath it, mm-hmm. and that kept them moving and roasted them evenly, and a little and a grinder for a couple hundred, five hundred dollars maybe, and half a ton of peanuts, <laughs> and so that was ten grand, and 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 I I felt. Pretty confident that that was going to work, and it did. And and so um, each subsequent stage. Uh, well, the next the next point. So we were able with the with the concrete mixer. We were able to make. We got up to about maybe mm, five hundred jars a week. Wow. Yep. And then I bought with the concrete mixer. Yeah, and then there was another fellow working in the same space I was working in when I when I got my first little factory in the old meatworks. And he came to work with me, and, and then I um, thought we we need bigger gear, mm. so I I ordered stuff from China. It was fifty grand's worth. You know? Wow! Yeah. And at that point, I was really nervous because I wasn't conf. You know, I don't know what was going to turn up, and would we be able to make it work? Yeah. But we managed to. I mean, it was really crappy stuff, and mm. it needed you know rebuilding. But we found people to rebuild it, and we 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 worked it all out, and we got it going, and so. 
And when that happened, after that, you know, um, I knew that we could, if it was an issue, we could sort it out. Mm. And so that gave me the confidence to uh, the next point, which was when I took my um, retirement fund into it. I had you know, wow. a couple of couple of hundred k sitting there and shares and things. And I, was, I went off to China and bought a whole pile of stuff, and most of it was rubbish, but there was enough of it mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that uh, that we got got. Got got going, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and we've ended up where we are now. And so after that second point where I I, I spent fifty fifty thousand dollars, and I couldn't afford to lose. I could afford to lose the ten at a yeah. pinch, but but the fifty was would have really hurt. Mm. And that was the uh, that was the last time I really had a sleepless night over over the peanut butter business. Wow, interesting. Mm. What, what's a piece of advice you'd give your younger self? Well, oh, um, well, I. You know, I I really can't imagine being happier having done anything if mm. I'd done anything differently. You know? Brilliant. I I'm really happy with the way my life has been, mm. and I I I have I have been asked this occasion. People have said, "Oh, what mistakes have you made, and what did you learn from them?" And mm. I sit there, I think, ah, mistake, mistakes. Oh my god. And I start thinking about what mistake means. You know, what yeah. is a mistake? What am, and the meaning, the only possible meaning of a mistake, because you can say, oh, if I had, you know, if I'd, if I'd kept that car, it'd be worth $100,000 now. <laughs> or if I had, if I married this per- woman instead of buddy, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> yep, yep. things would have been. But honestly, you have no idea mm-hmm. how things would be yep. if you'd done something differently. And so really and truly the only reason for ascribing something as a mistake is to say, my life is shit, mm. and if uh, and so and I'm going to blame it on doing this over here, mm. not of having sold that car when I when I could have got a hundred thousand dollars to be rich today, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, mm. you know. Yeah. And so and so I think you know the whole. I don't think we make mistakes. Mm. You know, we do what we do, and if you're happy with with your life, you know things are perfect. And if you want to, if you if you're grumpy and you're miserable and you're going to bl- trying to blame it on something, you know. Mm. You can say, "Oh, I made a mistake." You know, blah blah blah. Mm. It's um, yeah, and it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. We we um, one of one of our guys said to me once, uh, um, he, I've forgotten about this, but he said, "Oh, you know, when I first started working, and you sat me down and said, look, we make enough money that you can afford to make the old mistakes, so don't get don't get too, you know, Brilliant. worried about." Uh, I think worrying about, you know, it's so paralyzing. Yes, this is the, one of the things you see these. This is why we've got things like Price Waterhouse and all these fancy pants consultants. So people mm. can't make it make a decision. Yeah, true. So they think, oh, if I spend a hundred thousand dollars, you know, somebody else will tell me what to do. You know, mm. it's tragic. It's tragic, and then you know, and it's um, mm. yeah. Yeah, having the freedom to make a mistake is a powerful thing. You know, but, yeah. As an employer, to be able to say that, hey, it's okay to make a mistake every now. You make a mistake, you move on, you mm. learn from it, you grow, we evolve as a business. Yeah, it's really powerful oh yeah mm. it sure it sure is and so uh, and you never know what's gonna what, what it's gonna throw up you know yeah you know when when, when something's not going to plan and you think oh and I, I say to people you know starting a business you know you, you get out there and you start selling your thing the trick is to get out there and start selling something you don't just sit there mm. re- endlessly refining your business plan and what have you, you just <laughs> got to go out and do something yes and then and then the market tells you what to do Mm. You know, you can't just keep flowing. You know, the market says that people say, "Oh, I wouldn't mind a bigger bag of this." You know, blah, blah, blah. you got to do that. You got to do that because the, the market tells you, and, and it's so wonderful. But it doesn't tell you if you're not doing it. If you're not out there doing something, no one will say, "Oh, yeah, well, I think <laughs> you, your peanut butter sounds like a really good idea, but I think you should make, you know, make it, you know, with a with a bloody stick chocolate in it or something." Mm-hmm. They won't. T- they won't say that unless you're actually doing something. You know, so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something you guys have crafted so well here. You listen to your customer. You've got a very iconic Kiwi brand now. It's very strong. Well done on building that. I know you have quite a passion for graphic design and um, actually crafting the brand and leading some of those brand initiatives. Has that been fun for you? Oh yeah. No, no I. I uh, so so when I started making peanut butter, I I was I'd retired. You know, I was fifty five. And I had a bit of money, you know, enough mm. to live on if I was careful. And uh, and I enrolled in a creative writing course at oh, the Nelson wow. Polytech because I enjoyed writing. I'd done a bit of uh, writing for the odd magazine and things. 
and uh, and so I, I enrolled in a writing course. And I really enjoyed that, and and I so and so when I started making stuff, mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, it's it's not just a label. It's it's my way of talking to to the customers, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you got this this the publication wrapped around your jar, and I I was very keen actually to make the label as big as I possibly could, so I could you know sort of put lots of stuff on it. I ended up though we ended up actually figuring out a way of you know printing on the back of the label, mm-hmm. uh, which um, and I and I you know, enjoyed writing poetry, so I put some of my poems on the back of the label. <laughs> then we added some some you know coupons or something like that. But uh, and so yeah, so I, I do see that as 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 part of it, as our communication with our customer. So mm-hmm. it's a publication wrapped around a jar of food. Mm. So rather than oh a label that says what's in it, mm-hmm. you know, and has to be appealing and it has to be an interesting colour that that we're going to survey and go to go through and you know honestly really I just wanted to talk to people mm. on it and I I was um, I had an experience uh, a long time ago in somebody's shower and they, and they had all these jars of shampoo around the wall up up the top you know and I grabbed on this green one and I sniffed it it smelled like mint sword and um, it was a mint-flavoured shampoo. I'd never seen a mint-flavoured shampoo. Mm-mm. Anyway, so I looked at the label and it said on the label, I was expecting to say, oh, you know, um, uh, forest glade, blah, 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 gin with all the fresh aroma of mint <laughs> yeah, yeah. picked on a, on a summer's day, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> and with the soft and blah, blah, It said Bob's shampoo, <laughs> Bob's mint shampoo. It smells like mint sauce, you know, and, it's, and, it, and I, I fell in love with that. But I thought awesome. that's so real. That's so that's what you say to a friend, you know. Mm. Try this shampoo. I'm not going to say try this shampoo. It has all the fresh aroma of mint picked on it. Maybe <laughs> spring so morning, and all this sort of crap. You'd say try the shampoo. It smells like mint sauce, but it's really good, mm. you know. Absolutely. And, and so I loved that. I really, really loved that. And I thought if I could do that, make my peanut butter, talk to people, like a friend would talk to them. I mm. thought that was going to be of far better value than have some fancy pants copyrighted written by some posh bloody PR yeah. company or something. You know, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, ridiculous. Totally. Keep it real. Mm. Keep it simple. Love it, Pick. It's great. How do you guys choose what brands to collab or partner with? You know, Whitaker's was a big one, another iconic business. Yeah, yeah. No, Whitaker's. We love Whitaker's. And, and Amy, Whitakers. Amy, our, our, my, my stepfather, our new CEO, um, I did, did a lot of work for Whitaker's when she was working with That's right. ad agencies in Wellington, mm. and so she knew them well. And uh, you know they're a wonderful company, a wonderful Kiwi story and mm. everything. Um, but right back when I first started making peanut butter, I, I I I bought a um, sort of an Airstream caravan because I really liked them, and I thought we'll try and you know do something <laughs> with this for work. Yep. So so we stuck some bits of polystyrene bits of toast on the top and and went on the big toast big toaster tour around New Zealand awesome. so um, I bought myself an HQ Holden Ute and we, we dragged this buddy caravan from Bluff to North Cape and uh, um, oh, where was I getting with, getting it with that Whitakers um, Whitakers yeah okay and so and for that tour I so we're doing we were doing peanut butter on toast mm. and I talked to Vogels you know to Goodman's about yep. uh, about using Vogels, and uh, amazingly, for you know, for me, I, I Vogels have when I was when I was at school, one of my first jobs was in the, in the, in Pliss's factory in in uh, Glen 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 Innes in Auckland, mm. Mm. and I and they started making Vogels bread, you know, to some really wonderful recipe, and they were, yeah, and so, so I was working in that factory when when Vogels was just starting to get sold around Auckland. Yeah. So I had a really strong, you know, real connection with them. And so we approached um, Goodman's and asked if, you know, we could, if they would like to sponsor us. Yeah. Uh, the sponsorship involved quite a complicated way of sort of ordering and sort of half a dozen loaves of bread from their wholesalers or something somewhere on the tour. In the event, you know, it was a bit, it was very difficult to sort of organise, so we ended up sort of buying most of it from the supermarket. Mm, yeah, but yeah. we had it with us and we also had their branding on the caravan, you know, mm-hmm. picks and vocals. And I th- it was an action. And when I came, when, and afterwards, when I considered this, when people, when, you know, small companies were asking if we were, you know, would like to do a collab with them, 
I thought this is very courageous of, of uh, Goodman's to actually say, okay, mm. we'd like to be associated with you guys because, you know, we were very much a startup. Mm. And, uh, you know, if we'd have bloody killed something with our peanut butter, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it might have reflected badly on them. So yeah, I think that was that mm. was very I was very uh, very taken with that. We've start, we've since done some really cool collabs with um, with Goodmans, mm. uh, uh, but these days you know we're almost you know with our branding as almost uh, we're almost on a, on the same on the same sort of level with them. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's sure. been a remarkable thing, and um, you know I have friends. Who I, who I meet up with at meet or I met at food shows and things and, and companies and people I become friends with and and so I, I do like to work with with friends mm -hmm. um, and uh, so so you know we have we do we do collabs with people we're doing one with uh, Blue Frog at the moment awesome great, um, great band. It, it took a long time because mm -hmm. I had been close friends with Kaz uh, who was making um, pure delish. Mm -hmm. And so we, and so I was, I was very loyal. They never did a peanut butter muesli, but I, I you know, mm. anyway. And so they, they sold their business, and and uh, and uh, and Andy Hamilton from from the Ice House has been, he's been working closely with Blue Frog. Yes. So, um, and he kept pestering me. So finally, we caved in, and uh, we did our collab. Awesome. So it's kind of fun, you know. It's nice to it's nice to work alongside other New Zealand companies. And that's one of the things I really, really enjoyed about um, uh, traveling overseas. You know, doing food shows and 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 doing things with um, trade and enterprise internationally is that uh, you know there's hanging out in a foreign city with other food manufacturers yeah, around New Zealand and great. people great involved with the industry. It's great, mm. great. So um, quite quite organic then, quite um, natural partnerships, which I think comes across as well. It's very real. It's very Kiwi. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you know, we we um, we could we can pick and choose these mm. days, you know. And if we like the cut of your jib, you know, and, and we get along well, you know, we can have we can have some fun out of it. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It is nice. You mentioned but, a little bit about Amy as well. Mm. Um, you, one of your daughters. Yes. She's now. Running the company, she's now she's now CEO Amy yes. McCammon. So Amy was uh, working with uh, she was running Augusto mm -hmm. um, for two or three years up in Auckland. Uh, another Ice House alumnus was um, was Leon Kubrick, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was on the he was on my uh, my OMP. Yes, uh, and so we got to know each other well, and he actually uh, when they were doing he and Michelle were opening a branch in New York and uh, my daughter Bridie who lives over there came, mm -hmm. we became their first employee in New York brilliant and then she recommended that Amy should would be a good fit for mm. for the firm back here because they were spending a lot of time overseas mm. the network and yeah and yeah it's, it's a fantastic well. network it is it's mm. wonderful to and it's lovely to have you know smart kids who you can sort of fit in and fit in here and there and to to have developed those ranges of contacts that that I now you know enjoy. Mm. So, with, with, was there a succession, or how did the handover look? Um, so, the succession was a you know it was a thing that had been bothering me for a long time because I you know I started at fifty five and so you know we were we, by by the time we were sixty five we were opening this huge new factory yeah. and all this sort of stuff. And, yeah. And I was starting. I was thinking, you know, what do we do here? Uh, uh, my son was working with us as well. He mm -hmm. was he was had a sales role, but we had a big row, mm -hmm. and he quit. And mm -hmm. uh, he's now he's now um, he's now got a, a good job here in Nelson as a as a travelling uh, rep selling fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. uh, but that won't he won't be doing that forever. And mm -hmm. I'm you know looking forward to him coming back and and uh, and joining the firm once he's got a bit of experience from outside because awesome. I think that's incredibly important. Yeah. But um, and so and when Amy you know. Amy's been on our board for 10 years. Uh, she's a very smart marketing person. Mm. And uh, so she'd been on our board for a long time. And when she said she'd be prepared to, you know, chuck everything in and come and work for us, mm. um, I was very, you know, I was really stoked because, you know, I hadn't really, I didn't really have a plan B. Yeah. And I'd been sort of talking to her about it and, oh, yeah, the opportunity had come up and then they'd sort of fade again and, and what have you. So um, and mm. so it took a while. There's a lot of massaging to be done mm -hmm. to, to get uh, 
to get her to just slide in here and and keep you know everything going on as the way it is. So so we're sending Amy off to um, off to Boston to mm. to to get to a Harvard uh, MBA over there. Wow, cool. Uh, as uh, I'd taken all my other kids on overseas trips, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but Amy had. Amy, because she was all sort of too busy and she had kids and things to look after. Mm. So this is this is the perfect perfect, um, perfect solution for her her, yeah. her her OE, and it's going to be of immense value to the company mm. and, and to her. So fantastic, yeah, it's so cool. From mm. well, I got to meet her yesterday, and from what I've read yeah. about her, so yeah. it seems like an absolute powerhouse. She's yeah. um, it's, the business is in very good hands and mm. quite cool. You can keep it within the family mm. as well. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your ice house experience. Is that is that all cool with you, Pat? Yeah, yeah, no, very good. So um, I was OMP thirty two, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and um, I, I, how did I actually, how did I actually get the idea that it'd be a good thing to, to come on? Yeah, how did you hear about the ice house? Hmm. I, I don't. I might remember later on, but yeah. at the moment, I, um, I, I really, I really don't. Don't remember. Um, I think I did. I think I I felt the need for some sort of, you know, training. Mm-hmm. I think I did because I, I realised that, um, you know, I knew nothing about managing people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and all all my businesses in the past, I maybe had one or two people working right. a little bit. And, yeah. And uh, uh, and so I really had no clues. But actually, watching Stuart working with people, a man of really, you know, a really skilled manager and, mm-hmm. and actually getting getting the best out of people, you know. I, I, I realised that I had a lot, a lot to learn. And um, I remember coming back from one of our ice house things thinking, okay, some people had suggested that, oh, if you encourage your people, they'll do amazing work, you know. <laughs> and I sort of, I, I sort of thought, oh, well, you just need the right people. We've got the wrong people on there. They're going to need to get a crap job. So as soon as they've gone, we get somebody decent in there. This department will be amazing. <laughs> um, and, but then, and then I came away from one course thinking, well, I need to try this. And I started trying it. It was, it was so stupid. Everything just changed. You know, everybody just started getting totally engaged with what they were doing. You could see the productivity go through the roof, you know, and that just because people were happier. And I was saying, well done, good work, you know, thank you, thank you. It was amazing. I couldn't believe how blind I had been not to see this because, you know, really you think, pat me on the back because I really, I suppose I'd never really worked with a group. I'd always been working, you know, Mm. on my own. And so I was pretty much a sole trader at Trader. So I had really no experience of what it was like to be patted on the back by the boss. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, Yes, true. You you were always the boss, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, so you don't have that understanding. Mm. That's interesting. Okay. Is there any other, like, how did it impact, you know, that's obviously a takeaway, but how did it impact your your business and maybe even your lifestyle? Did it have any longer-term impacts, the program? Um, I don't, one of the things I would like to a- acknowledge about the Ice House was, was the level of commitment that we all made to each other on that course. Yeah. You know, we're, we're bloody 15, 20 incredibly busy people mm-hmm. and we you know we had family commitments and things but every six weeks we're going away for a long weekend and 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 anybody could have not gone because they had you know a family thing going on or they had a you know there was kids birthdays there was buddy you know crises at work but people were still turning up and the reason we did it was for everyone else in the group because we made such a strong commitment to each other wow. so that was very powerful you know, and 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 also, of course, um, that whole thing of you know, if you've got a moderately successful business, you know, and and your your friends are your friends that you've grown up with and stuff, often and they may they might be doing other sort of things, and and often you can't really talk about mm. what it's like to you know, to um, you know, deal with you know millions of dollars here and there, and that's it without mm. you know, it's not a thing you can talk about with everybody. They don't quite get it the same They don't quite way. get it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can talk about it with your accountants and your lawyers, but they've got a, such a different lens. But when you're talking with people who actually get it and are in the same sort of boat as you are, you know, it's a very, a very different, um, a very different thing. Did you totally agree? Did you walk in and go, I don't know if people are going to understand 
me because I'm in the food industry? Or did you have an understanding that all the challenges are quite similar industry to industry? Uh, I very quickly realised that, you know, we all had very similar issues. Mm, yep. Absolutely, you know. Um, and, yeah, no, it was uh, – I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't think if there'd been a special food. Um, in mm. fact, I find this, you know, I, I go to, I do, I attend, you know, I, I used to attend quite a lot of conferences. I do some speaking and stuff. And, and, and I used to really enjoy going to the conferences that were totally un, un food related. Yes. Because yes. you get such, you know, there's such interesting new things to learn about and stuff. And, mm. and there's, um, you know, it's a, it gives you a whole different perspective, and the similarities are um, are much more powerful than those differences. And the same with you know different cultures you know, mm. going overseas, and people speak different languages. They live a completely different life. They have totally different customs, but the, what is human about you is what you share. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, you're very human, Pick. You know, you're very oh. real. I think. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that. Just yeah. you know, I don't try to be. Spending, <laughs> spending the last couple of days, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's you just you tell it how it is. It's just the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between. You yeah. know, it's it's quite cool to hear from a founder like you, um, just the realities of building a business and the highs and lows. I think, oh, think you, you share that quite yeah. openly, which I think is very valuable to those around you. I caught a taxi on the way here, mm. and my taxi driver said, "Oh yeah, I know, I know, Perka yeah. used to be." Um, Bridie's um, PE teacher and, right. you know, and, and small town now, yeah. and obviously, right? But, yeah, he's a good guy. He's given me some advice in the back of the, the cab a yeah. few times. Yeah. I think you're very yeah. open with those that come And, and that's a funny thing, you know, giving people advice. I mean, I, I, I not, you know, I think, who am I to give people advice? <laughs> but actually, people value it. So it doesn't mm. matter what the advice is. You yeah. say something and they'll value it. For sure. It's, it's, uh, and, and also, I, I think, when I do my speaking, I, I think, you know, but actually... Uh, people come out and go, oh, that really inspired me. And I think, who am I to bloody inspire people? I think, what a, what a sort of wanker am I to, to, to go, I'm going to come out and inspire you. But actually, if people are prepared to be inspired, they will be inspired and they will do better things for mm -hmm. them. And it's not me. It's just it's it comes out of them. You know? mm -hmm. so, um, and it's up to them to, to then action it, right? And it's up, up to them to action it. It's up to them to get excited and, and, and they get excited from themselves. And it's not me that excites us. It's, mm -hmm. it's just that sort of thing. Are there, are there any businesses along the way that have inspired you, Pick? Or oh well, I, we, our Graham over at the food factory. So you went over there yesterday, eh? Yes, and, yes. and you met Graham. Very so, inspiring. So Graham is—he's uh, been a, um, a technician working for Marine Electronics, and he—I don't know—he apparently had some other little business that I didn't get very far with. But anyway, he um, during lockdown he was toasting some sandwiches and he got the crunchy stuff stuck on the pan, you know, mm. and the cheese went all crunchy. And he thought, well, how, how would you make this? And he mucked around and mucked around with it and he's come up with these this um, this, this crunchy cheese snack that's just made with cheese. Mm, it's so delicious. And uh, he dehydrates it and then he cooks it and it comes up with these amazing sort of, they're sort of, they're sort of as like, like, I hate to say like a cheese or but they're but they're but they're crunchy mm. snacky things. But they haven't got any weird stuff in them. Yeah, you know, it's, it's just, just cheese. cheese. Yeah. And uh he's got a tiger by the tail there. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, he's working day and night. Mm. Um and uh he's branded them Cubies. Mm -hmm. Uh and but he's getting tremendous interest. So he's he's won some things from uh, foodstuffs, you know, competitions and things that we've encouraged him to enter into and, and so that's what that's the very sort of thing that if he gets, if he cracks that, if he can get his production up, and he can, you know, he can uh, uh, stop working all night because mm -hmm. he's working all night these he days. Is. If he can give that up and and uh, and get on with, you know, producing stuff, and and mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, it's fantastic, and it's a lovely product to see. So I, f I find that very inspiring. Mm. That's cool. Um, and our cheer sisters here in Nelson too. Mm. So, so I, I was I was talking to them when they were first start thinking of starting up a, a cheer based drink, and I and I was a bit oh, a bit poopa about that because <laughs> um, I had a taste of it. I don't like it myself. Mm, you know, it's mm. too weird. And uh, but uh, but they went ahead and they did it, and they have they have done so well. You know, mm. they have they have used what they have, which is they do amazing. You know, smart women, uh, fit women, and they and they're. Uh, and they have got out there, and they're leading the brand with you know Chia Sisters, and and both of them, 
uh, are making a huge mark on, on in business in New Zealand. You know, not just for that year, but actually as a to actually really energise, you know, um, food production. I mean, they were the first, they put solar panels all over the roof, roof of their factory. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's a bit stupid. They're not going <laughs> to re order run their, fanny, their, their factory with solar panels, you know. But, and, but actually, we did that a couple of years later. Mm. And uh, so, and, it, and it, the more people that do it, you know, the more powerful it becomes. So, um, yeah, they're they're very inspiring. Mm. They've done fantastic a fantastic job of their business, and uh, um, it's not an easy one. Mm. Mm. It's very cool. Mm. You're a very content, happy person. You said before you're very happy. Yeah, I sort of I very rarely get worried, too worried or depressed, and I think I'm very very lucky for that because I know I know how depression works. Mm. You know, I have friends who suffer from it. And uh, it's it's horrible, you know. It's a really horrible thing because you know you're in the world. The world is what it is, and and you and you you can and it's just so easy just to allow all the all the dark thoughts and things to sort of crowd in. And, mm. uh, but I I feel very lucky. I wake up in the morning and think, oh, I'm feeling really great, fantastic, aren't I lucky? You know. Mm. And um, I mean, I do worry hugely about climate change mm. and the fact that so many of us are just just blindly sort of rolling on and just without any, you know, any um, consideration for how we might do things now to avert. Mm. If we do a few uncomfortable things now, we can avert, we can avoid doing some really, really horrible things in mm. the future and they will be, you know, I th I th anyway. Can, can we talk about that though for a couple minutes? Yeah, sure. Because it's becoming a big topic but... I'm going to be honest, I feel like a lot of um, business owners and leaders can, can sometimes turn a blind eye to it, or not maybe that, they're just too busy to... Yeah, I think so, and I think, you know, we, we, we're concerned about growth, you know, we need business growth, oh, we need we need the economy, I mean, the economy is far more important mm. than, than, you know, planting a few trees and things. When did you start thinking about it? Um, well, I was a hippie. I was a hippie back Sandals. in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, we knew all about this. Mm. We knew the greening of America. We were see the limits to growth. We didn't know how catastrophic plastic was going to be. Mm. Yep, yep. And and we didn't realise that you know what an issue global that was, global warming was just one of those issues. But you know, starting to see the effects of it now and 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 sort of the, the size of the problem that's rolling towards us. You know, and, and you know we're coming up for some huge. Mm. Hugely hot summers Absolutely. over the next three years, and uh, and it's um, yeah. So I've I've known about it for a long time, but we just chose to ignore it. Mm. I think in the sort of the eighties and nineties, you know, when I was off sailing around the world, having a wonderful time, mm -hmm. not thinking about, you know too much about anything. Um, but now you know now that we're starting to see the floods, yeah. uh, the fires, yeah, uh, and how how you know we 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 you know for all our fancy pants you know hugely powerful engines and things and posh buddy insulation and what, mm -hmm. you can't do a thing against the forces the forces of nature are so overwhelmingly powerful that honestly if we don't do everything we can to appease them mm. um you know we're not going to be able to we're not going to have a choice very mm. soon I feel like business can be such a force for good in this space. I think so. I think I think it has an opportunity that that governments don't have because yeah. governments are so reliant on buddy getting voted in again in, in three years' time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, these elections are driving me insane. <laughs> it's so hideous. But um, but governments, you know, they've got to they've got to sort of bow to the lowest common denominator. Um, here, you know, I mean. We're able to we're able to support a bunch of initiatives. I would love to see us get more traction with our own staff around mm. how they commute to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very, I'm very. It's all very good, all very well for me for a guy who can't drive <laughs> and telling people to catch buses. But crikey, duck, it's it's such a hard shift to make. But I think once people make it, it becomes, oh, this is actually incredibly easy. I mm. can just sit here and do my work in the bus, you know, and. Just get out of the bus, not even think about where I've parked the car or you know mm -hmm. anything, yeah. Um, and yeah, and, I, and the whole the whole way that we have 
we have developed. I mean, we've got, you know, when we built this place, we had to put in you know, 30 car parks of visitors. We had to have 20 car parks for stuff. We had to build this place around motorists. Mm, so yeah. we had to say, so we don't build it around the people, we build it around bloody motor cars. And, and I think that's, um, and then and then people think, oh, well, we'll just sit, we'll just carry on living, won't we just drive around electric cars? Oh, we, that'd be fine, you know? No, but it's not. We're mm. still using huge amounts of energy to haul out, you know, our little bags of bags of meat up and down hills, <laughs> you know. And, and it's, um, what do you think? But where could business owners start, though? What's a first step, in your opinion? I think the first step is to measure your your, yes. your emissions Great. and get an idea of what you what you're emitting and and write down the value chain. Mm. Um, I feel very smug about making about a plant based plant plant-based nutrition because mm -hmm. that's what peanuts are it's a massive amount of protein Absolutely. but it's not very not very cool that we're you know importing them from uh, the other side of the world so we're bringing in a lot of peanuts from brazil mm. um well i'm very excited to be working you know with mpi around uh, peanut growing trials in northland mm, so that's a that. really that's a really really cool uh process and i think you know the, the idea of trialing new crop we have to be trialing new crops yeah because you know the weather's going to change, and we're going to be finding you know growing pineapples down in Southland no time at all. <laughs> mm. um, no, yeah. it's good. It's good thoughts. It's very inspiring. And you know, I went on your website and I thought I saw that you guys are aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, climate change goals. You actually lay out your sustainability strategy, yeah. and you say, "Come on the journey with us." We know we don't have it perfect, but we're trying, and we encourage you to as yeah. well. And and great. you know, I I just you know our hope because it costs a lot of money. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, but but our hope is that our customers will notice this, yeah. and they will support us because of that. So totally, and I agree. There's got to be that profit and purpose and planet. You know, it's got to. Mm. You, you can't do anything for the planet and. And the people, if you don't have the profit coming in, so it's a, a, a balancing yeah. act. Yeah. Um, but this conversation has been very inspiring. Lots of golden hair pick. Um, you're just a very down to earth, real Kiwi Kiwi bloke, um, and you've done some pretty cool things internationally. So thank you so much for for sharing the story. Oh, thank you, Brian.